Welcome to the Film Yap podcast. Once again, I'm joined by Ben Sears, my colleague from the Indiana Film Journalists Association. Welcome, Ben. Hey, Chris. Thanks again for having me. Well, I, we thought it being uh, early 2024, and I yes, I know we're all still getting used to that, um, it's as good a time as any for us to do our best of list of the year. I don't know if yours is actually like a top 10 or a top 15 or top 20. I actually once did a top 75 list when I was very, very enthusiastic about the year. But uh, we can we can talk about our top 10s and then just any others like ones that almost didn't make it in or disappointments or really whatever you want to talk about. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I always just do a top 10. Um, I, I do have some honorable mentions, so yeah, we can do that. All right. And I don't know if you want to start at, start at the top, like from number ones and go to number 10 or try and build tension from 10 to one. Um, maybe if you want to just start, start, we can talk about just our assessment of the film year. I kind of like to do that just to say like, where I think the year 2023 in this case ranks, you know, um, I mean, I would say I thought it was an above average year for film. Um, I did not have like that one film that just absolutely blew me away and was quite clearly my favorite. When I was going to make my top 10 list, there was probably about four to even five movies that I really felt like could compete for that number one. There, but there wasn't one favorite for me. But overall, I mean, I thought it was an impressive year and that it was it was interesting. It, it, there was a lot of freshness. There was a lot of boldness. I saw a lot of movies that I was like, wow, I've never seen anyone try to do that before. So as a starting point, I thought it was a above average year for movies, like a B plus year. Yeah, I I would agree. I think um, 2022 had a lot more quality uh, spaced out throughout the year, um, but there were a lot of like end of the year uh, titles that I think were really uh really good i feel like uh around the the first half the end of the first half of the year i was kind of struggling with like what were some of my favorites um and uh i think my end of the year list i i don't know if any of the films that were on my first half uh list ended up on the end of it um <clears throat> maybe two of them um but yeah, I, I think I've seen a lot of people say that this was like, I don't know, like an all-time great year for films. I don't know if I'd go that far. Yeah. Um, I I think it was really interesting for the industry as far as like almost all of the blockbusters, the big like tentpole, you know, the Marvels and the DCs and the, uh, the big IP-driven films almost all tanked. Um, and so we we kind of had to find new and interesting places to to find good movies and most of them delivered so yeah. i i'd say yeah i'd say b plus is probably pretty good all right well why don't i let you start and i don't know did you want to just you usually people we, we do these things we do like 10 to 1 and build the tension do you want to just go the contra way and just go bam here's my number one <laughs> well so uh, maybe this will help your answer, but I do my top 10 list a little differently. Um, okay. I have, I have a movie of the year and then I have a remaining nine, uh, like nine runners up basically, uh, oh, which okay. I list in alphabetical order. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm fine either way, however you want to do it. 
Yeah, let's let let let's just go straight to the main event. Ben, what was your movie of the year? Okay. Uh so anyone that really knows me knows that I kind of had this movie kind of earmarked from the beginning since it was announced that it was coming out. Uh and that's The Boy in the Heron from uh Hayao Miyazaki. Uh Miyazaki is my favorite filmmaker, number one with a bullet. Um, and I was very excited for this one and it uh, fully delivered for me. It was, uh, it's a really great uh, animated adventure um, that kind of throws a lot of what Miyazaki has done really well throughout his career um, and kind of sticks it all together while still uh, making something brand new, uh, at least to me. Um, uh, just a great uh, adventure um just really inventive and um it, it's it's been i feel like forever since there's been a movie where i really didn't know what was going to happen from one minute to the next and i really appreciated that about the boy in the heron so that's good i like that one a lot too it didn't make my list but i mean i'm always down for miyazaki um i think this had been like his first film in about 10 years or so correct uh, and his, uh, uh "Quote unquote final film." Uh, yeah, although, as he's, I, I, as he's done many times before. I think he's he's said that he's like like Quentin. He's a, he's the Japanese Quentin Tarantino. Quentin Tarantino right. has been threatening retire from movies for at least the last twenty years. Uh, right. And personally, I'm I'm ready for him to pull the trigger. Uh, <laughs> so, like I said, for me, I didn't really have a movie of the year. Um, um, I really struggled with uh, what to make number one, and I I flipped it around several times. I ended up going with All of Us Strangers as my number one, um, a movie I do love. Although, you know, you know, when I, when I was particularly my number two, three, and four, when we get to those, like, if, you know, if you'd asked me on a different week, I might have flipped it around a bit, and I still would be fine with any. But All of Us Strangers, uh, small film, still hasn't gotten into wide release. I'm hoping it will uh, soon. Uh, just about just a very empathetic film, very emotional about a, a lonely guy. Uh, falls in love with a neighbor of his, but it's also sort of like this this ghost story where he's having these ongoing conversations with his parents who have passed away. Um, and I, I admit, you know, um, I am in my taste with movies in a lot of ways old-fashioned. My my primary engagement with movies is emotions. And, you know, if, if a film doesn't move me emotionally, I'm probably not going to be... You know, I might respect the filmmaking, the aesthetics, the technique, the themes, anything. But if I don't feel like a real a human connection to a movie, um, it's probably not going to be one I'm going to really go for. And this was probably the film that when I think about, I had the strongest emotional reaction to. Yeah, I've I've seen that a lot from people. And I um, I have nothing bad to say about that movie. I think uh, if I had not watched it kind of in a screener haze before the end of award season, I would probably have rated it higher. But uh, yeah, I, it's it's an enjoyable film. I liked it. Yeah, and we should mention that, you know, when we're doing our awards, which the IFGA just did, um, you know, that last month or so, it really is like a haze, like you say, because we're just watching. It's an absolute crunch time. We're watching movies that we haven't seen this the studios will suddenly inundate us with screeners um in a lot of cases movies that they they wouldn't let us see when they were actually coming out in theaters 
now they'll let us see him or they're like the films like this that you know are just now coming and won't have a wide release until the next year so yeah i remember i remember i i i'm not a big fan of people who like to track how many movies they've watched and broadcast to the world but I, I did keep kind of a rough count and i think i think over that last month before our awards i watched right about 50 movies <laughs> um and that's I agree with you that sometimes I feel like I didn't appreciate a movie as much because it was like the third one I saw that day. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's, that's sometimes not the ideal situation. Yeah. But yeah, I, uh, that's a good choice. I like that one. Well, let's hear yours. I understand yours are not necessarily ranked two through 10, but in alphabetical, right. let's hear your next one. Yeah. So my first runner up, I guess, is uh, the documentary 20 Days in Mariupol. Um, it's, uh, I, I always try to do at least one documentary on my list at the end of the year. And, uh, this was, uh, one that definitely stuck, stuck with me the most. Um, it's, uh, about the early days of the war in Ukraine and it is just, it's easily the hardest movie that I've ever sat through. There is just a lot of imagery and scenery that, is just really hard to digest um just seeing the worst aspects of humanity and it's not like um the the documentaries about uh uh syria like the white helmets or for sama where there is like a little bit of hope at the end there there really isn't much hope in this one unfortunately but that is exactly the point because it it's a, a very real documentary about uh these uh, human rights violations and these travesties that are going on in Ukraine and the things that these people have had to suffer through. And um, <clears throat> and then it also kind of tacks on how Russia is using the same footage to uh, discredit what they're doing themselves. And it, it was just, it's a documentary that has really stuck with me since I saw it. Um, yeah, great choice. Um, I did not end up putting that on my list, although uh, now that you know, I'm, I'm I'm realizing I probably should have. Maybe not in the top ten, but at least in that net best of the rest. Probably, I would say the second best docu documentary I saw this past year without one. So, absolutely great choice. Um, uh, really, the sort of documentary I appreciate that in, in the. To me, I'm I'm not a big fan of the new wave of documentaries that are like very opinionated to the point of to me they're more like political polemics than than like observation. I like journalism, you know, objective, you know, observation type of things, and that's such a powerful example of of that type. Um, number two on my list was the holdovers. I very much considered this having having that as my number one. I went back between, like I said, the, that top four or so, I really kind of went all around back and forth with. Um, but, you know, Alexander Payne and, and Paul Giamatti reuniting, uh, just a fantastic performance by Giamatti. I really hope it gets some Oscar and other awards recognition. Uh, terrific newcomer. Um, and just that that really that that three-person cast, just really, really terrifically. The, the way I said it, buddy, it's a funny film, but a very bleak film. And yet there's like this sense of hope, um, you know, like the, the, the Paul Giamatti character. We, he finally has hope for himself and those, thus we have hope for him at the end. So that's that's on my list. Yeah, your... I 
I I like the holdovers as well. Um, I'm not as high on it as uh as you or a lot of other critics, but I uh, again I really have nothing bad to say about it. I really like Paul Giamatti in that. Um, and uh, I. I really enjoyed, uh, I think we both saw it at uh, Heartland and it was a great theater experience because there was, it was a sold out crowd and there was several lines where uh, you you couldn't hear what was said after a big laugh line because p- there was so much laughter. Uh, it was a, a really great experience. So um, that's that's a good, uh, good pick. Um, so my next uh, runner-up is uh, Are You There, God, It's Me, Margaret, uh, directed by Kelly Freeman Craig. Um, it's uh, safe to say that this movie really just was not on my radar at all uh, early in the year. Um, I had heard that uh, Rachel McAdams was good in it, but really nothing uh, uh, except for that. And I uh, kind of saw it on a whim at the theater one night, I think in April, and was really just blown away by it. I, uh, it's just such a warm and sincere coming of age film in a genre where, uh, things tend to be a little cynical sometimes. And, um, I, I just really appreciated the way that, uh, Kelly Freeman Craig, uh, made this, uh, adaptation about, you know, change not only in, uh, change in your body, but change in mindset and um, uh, social change. Um, just that and just incredible uh, performances all around. Um, Abby Ryder Forsen, uh, Rachel McAdams, I love. I hope she gets some more awards recognition. Um, just uh, really unexpected surprise which i really enjoyed and has stuck with me since whenever i first saw it earlier in the year yeah i'll go ahead and uh jump my list a little bit that is number six on my list just an incredible as i say a movie as i said a movie i had low hopes for i, I just went like oh well you know we're, we're remaking this you know four 50 year old judy bloom book <clears throat> which i had read as a kid mm-hmm. um and I was I was just expecting something to be very schmaltzy and conventional and staid and comfortable. And it's really a, a bold piece of filmmaking. I love how they, I mean, you know, the, the mother character played by Rachel McAdams really isn't that big a figure in the book. And yet, yet somehow they made this expanded out to the, in some ways it's her story as much as the child's. Mm-hmm. Um, just a fantastic film. And as you say, that that filmmaker, I believe she made The, the Edge of 17 a few years ago, another great film about being an adolescent so great great pick mm-hmm. um so for my number three um i went with american fiction this is a film that i actually missed at heartland it was very much looking forward to and didn't get to see it until much later um just an amazing debut by cord jefferson the writer director his first film behind the camera it's hard to even believe that because it's such a mature vision uh, of a film and Jeffrey Wright, just spectacular. I, another guy I really hope gets awards consideration, not just him, uh, Sterling K Brown. And I'm forgetting the, the, the main actress's uh, name as well. Uh, I'm just a, an amazing cast all around such a human story, very satirical uh, and smart and funny. And yet also isn't afraid to, you know, doesn't hold up. It's main character is like this, 
perfect vessel vessel of critic you know who can critique the world and he's also very flawed himself three-dimensional characters and and i think a very sharp satire and a very brave satire i mean honestly to see a black filmmaker make that movie in 2023 i was impressed and surprised um the sort of thing i think you know could have gotten a lot of uh, pushback and maybe still will. I think it's it's actually just going to be going into wide release or wider release this week. So I'll be very curious to see what reception it gets. Yeah, uh, I I like that one as well. I I kind of wish that um, I had went into that one blind without knowing the premise um, because I think uh, I unfortunately I had read like what it was about and what what the quote unquote twist was. And um, I, I kind of wish that I uh, had known nothing going into it. So um, that's, that's a good choice. Yeah. Okay. Um, your next one. So next up is uh, Wes Anderson's asteroid city. Um, I uh, starting out in 2023, I kind of, appreciated Wes Anderson. I wasn't really a big fan of his. I had only seen maybe a couple of his films. And uh, this year, I kind of, or 2023, I kind of went deeper on his filmography and saw a lot more. There's still some that I have to see, but I really started to appreciate what he does um, beyond just the the surface level and the, uh, you know, his very distinct aesthetics and Asteroid City, I think, is one of his best films. Um, it's got a great cast, in, including uh, Jeffrey Wright, who makes a has a really great uh, moment midway through. Um, yeah, uh, just a, a really great story about um, the the very like nature of making art and what you know what the meaning of making art is and um just a really dense um really complex kind of film that's also incredibly funny um i've seen it i think three times now and i still think that it's really funny and really poignant um and uh yeah so uh pleasantly surprised uh about uh, asteroid city uh, yeah. And I, again, it it uh, it still has kind of his trademark uh, uh, production design and cinematography and um, all of his you know little quirks and stuff. But it's it's it still feels like something new from him. Yeah. Um, for those who know me, I'm very up and down on, on Wes Anderson. I've loved a lot of his films. I've actually couldn't stand a lot of his films. I will say I liked Asteroid City more than most over the last ten years. Um, you know, compared to some other ones, uh, like you know, like Moonrise Kingdom, which I just loathe with a hot passion. Um, but then other ones like the Darjeeling Unlimited that I really, really liked a lot. So I've been up and down on him. All right, for my number four, um, I picked a movie that um I really loved, and not a lot of other people seem to see it or appreciate, which was Dumb Money. Um, starring Paul Dano as a the based on true story of the GameStop. Uh, stock uh, imbroglio from a few years ago. Something I, you know, I was like vaguely aware of it when it was going on, and it really dealt in it. And it was just a smart, funny, satirical movie. Um, I thought it was like sort of the, the, the you know, the 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 inheritor to like um, the Big Short 
from a few years ago, another movie I love that's, you know, about this hot topic of like high finance that I don't think a lot of people care about. And yet it makes it a very human and relatable story uh, and pulls off the hat trick of, of, of two things that are very hard for a movie to do at the same time, to be very angry and yet also very funny. Mm hmm. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that is unfortunately one that I, I'm, I'm one of those people who haven't seen it. Um, there's a handful that I missed out on and, uh, that one I think is at the top of my list. Um, cause I really like Paul Dano and it, it's a pretty stacked cast from what I remember. I, I like almost everyone that's in it. So, um, I have no excuse. I'm part of the problem. Um, <laughs> and, well, uh, even even with us crunching at the end of the year, I still have a probably a dozen or more films that I meant to get to, but but didn't. So you're you were hardly alone in that boat. <laughs> yeah, uh, I I will watch it. Uh, I I like your enthusiasm for it, so that is uh, uh, one thing that'll get me to watch it. Um, so. My next up is uh, Bradley Cooper's A Star, or not A Star is Born, Maestro. Uh, I, I love A Star is Born, um, but uh, so I, I was really excited for Maestro. Um, and I I think as I watched it, I could tell like it was going to be a little polarizing. Um, so I, I understand it's not everyone's cup of tea, but I really liked it. Um, it kind of uh, does the opposite of what most, um, you know, biopics about musicians do um, and focuses less on Leonard Bernstein's career and more on uh, his relationships and, you know, the the nature of like what drove him um, and, and and I really appreciate it. I think it's got uh, a fantastic uh bradley cooper performance a fantastic carrie mulligan performance i think that uh bradley cooper is uh even better than he was in a star is born behind the camera there's some really interesting flourishes that he does uh throughout that film and uh i i i fell for it yeah i think that one's going to do a lot better in the awards cycle than people have expected because um, it, it's just it's sort of got that classic Oscar pedigree to right. it, you know. It's 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 a historical thing. It's about you know it's the, it's a great man or great woman story. It's in this gorgeous black and white cinematography. Um, I respected the film a lot. I liked the film a lot. It just didn't quite rise to that top ten level for me. Yeah. Um, number five on my list was Rustin, another film that I felt kind of got lost in the shuffle, maybe because it's a Netflix movie. Did get a theatrical release, but not much of one. Did the award circuit. Uh, Coleman Domingo, um, uh, as the the namesake of the film, who was just sort of like this forgotten figure in the civil rights movement, because as they say, he was not the, the guy who stood in front of the microphone and made big speeches, but he was the guy who organized the event so that the Martin Luther Kings and other giants of history could be there to broadcast their voices. He's the sort of guy that, I mean, he was the really one who came up with the idea for the 1963 March on Washington, one of the most iconic moments in American history. Um, and just a great exploration. I love movies like this where they like, they show you history and they show you a side of history that maybe you haven't seen or haven't seen the whole story. 
And I think Coleman Domingo just gives a an amazing performance that, again, I really hope he will get recognition when the Oscars and Golden Globes and all those other the Critics' Choice Awards get announced. Yeah, uh, I Coleman Domingo is one of my favorite actors, so I'm really pulling for him for that. Um, yeah, uh, my uh, next runner up is uh, Todd Haynes's May December. Um, this is uh, I, I don't know why, but I really uh, didn't have much uh, hype for this movie. Um, I kind of, for lack of a better word, watched it out of obligation um and was really just blown away by it i think it's really i think it is like one of the most complex most dense films of the year i think there's there's so much going on on a thematic level on a story level uh on a performance level i think natalie portman is incredible julianne moore is great charles melton is like one of the biggest breakout stars of the year um and not to mention it's pretty funny at, at points. Um, it's just a kind of a miracle of a tightrope and, uh, it ended up just really digging underneath my skin for a while after I saw it. Yeah. Yeah. That one didn't do it, uh, so much for me. Great performances, of course, uh, uh, from Natalie Portman and, uh, I'm blanking on the other actress's name. Julianne uh, Moore. Thank you. Julianne Moore. Um, I strangely have very much diverged from the crowd on this one. On, on my main problem with the movie was the Charlie Melton character, how it was written, how it was, I think, directed and played. I don't know. Maybe this is obviously just, it just a it's me situation because it seems like everybody else has been very enthusiastic about him and his role in that movie. So it's just one that. Uh, I'm gonna have to say I'm I'm on the other side on this one. Uh, my number six, I won't belabor it. Was Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret, uh, which we already talked about. My number seven was another movie that I was aware of when it came out. Um, I, I want to say this was just a streaming film, which was Blackberry. Um, this was literally one of the absolute last films I watched during my my crunch uh, uh, of the awards crunch, and I was just blown away by it. Uh, just a terrific story about, you know, the really, you know, a lot of the tools and the way the digital flow of information goes these days is based on, you know, portable devices and the BlackBerry. People forget before the iPhone, the BlackBerry <laughs> was it, you know, texting and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and I, I love I love the, the background of the technological story, the egos, terrific performances by uh, Jay Baruchel. One of those actors who's sort of been like the kid in my mind for forever, but he's in his 40s now. And this was kind of like his first, I really thought, grown up role. And mm -hmm. Glenn Howerton was a, a powerhouse performance as the the co-CEO who is, you know, absolutely acknowledged by everyone, including himself, as being a humongous a-hole. And yet <laughs> he just has something that makes him compelling. I'm not going to say charismatic, but he makes him compelling. Yeah. Um, that was, I think Blackberry is, uh, right on the edge of my top 10. I, I was really surprised by how much I liked it. Um, you know, there have been so many movies, uh, that have tried to emulate what the social network did way back in 2010. And I think this is one that actually kind of succeeds. Um, yeah, just Glenn Howerton was one of my favorite performances at the end of the year. I saw that movie 
back when it came out in like March or April. And it's, it's still, I think one of the best performances of the, of the year. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a good pick. Um, <clears throat> so my next one is, uh, uh, it's called Monster from Hirokazu Koreeda. I think this one still has not really been released here yet. Um, but uh uh saw this one at Heartland and I mean I'm I'm a big fan of Hirokazu Koreeda. I'll see pretty much anything he does these days, and I was still just really blown away by this one. Um, I didn't really know anything about it going into it other than the kind of plot structure was kind of like Rashomon-esque. And uh, it it really, uh, really just blew me away from the beginning. Um, it, it's just a, a great look at uh, truth and lies and just how you kind of really don't know somebody until you really get to know them um just uh really fantastic all around uh great performances from the kids from the adults um just i mean i i am fully gonna acknowledge that i'm in the tank for coriata but uh even this one i loved yeah 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 uh it reminded me a lot of a danish film from last year closer that was actually my favorite film from last year there's like this really terrific intimate exploration of the fraught relationship between two boys who are kind of like just on the edge of of puberty and what that was like very intimate film uh, my number eight was the color purple another film i was not expecting to go for to me like you know i'm not a huge fan of the original film the steven spielberg one but it's still a very good film that launched tons of careers um, you know, there would be no Whoopi Goldberg. It's doubtful that, you know, Oprah Winfrey would even be who she is without that and uh, other other four, uh, folks in that. So I was like, it was like, why do we need this movie? Um, and yet it's just amazing. It's just so full of color and obviously music and 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 tragedy and joy. And I just felt so deeply for those characters, particularly the uh, Fantasia Barino as the main character. Um, another one of those uh, actresses from thespians that I'm really hoping will get noticed when the award cycle kicks into high gear here. Yeah, um, that was one that I unfortunately have not seen yet. I was fully planning on watching it uh, around Christmas time, but then I got COVID. That's another story. Um, so I I will be eagerly watching that as soon as I can. I've heard almost nothing but good things. So. And it's and I'm very pleased to say it's been doing very well at the box office, despite not a ton of fanfare. So I'm glad people are turning out for it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, well, one that uh, my next one is one that people definitely did turn out for. Uh, and that is uh, Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer. Um, kind of a basic choice at this point. But I mean, what what else can you say? It's uh one of the best theater going experiences I had last year, seeing it in 70 millimeter at the Indiana state museum. Um, just, uh, uh, an incredible kind of tightrope, uh, that is just top to bottom filled with great crafts, great performances, great directing. Um, uh, it's, I mean, it's a three hour biopic that's mostly talking about, theoretical physics and security clearances and yet it's like one of the best thrillers of the year 
Um, so I, I don't know how he did it, but I love watching it. I love rewatching it. Um, just one of the best moments of the year. Yeah. Just the, always the amazing technical polish, um, of his films. Um, it's not on my top 10 list, but you know, it's one of those films I, I greatly respect. I do think it's one of those movies. You probably need to see it several times to really appreciate it. I feel like, you know, it's so big and enormous, coming at you that it's almost like it almost I almost felt like overwhelmed like bowled over by it and I have a feeling that you know if as I see that film subsequent viewings in in the times to come I think I will come to appreciate it more uh my number nine was my favorite documentary of the year this also played at uh, Heartland Film Festival was The Lionheart which is a documentary that looks at um the the life and death of racer Dan Weldon who I was not terribly familiar with. I mean, obviously being from Indianapolis and, you know, on that IndyCar circuit had some familiarity with him. Um, but what I really appreciated was that like movies like this tend to be very uh, engaged in a lot of hagiography. Hey, it's like looking back, looking back, um, you know, lionizing someone, um, which this film does, I think rightly so. But what I really appreciate about it is it's also the very much this contemporaneous story looking at his widow and his two sons who have in the years since continue to live and grow and grieve um and it's really look at their journey going forward as much it is looking back at the life of and career of dan weldon so terrific documentary that i don't think has really gotten much of a release other than on the award circuit that i'm hoping more people will see yeah i uh, i unfortunately was not able to make that one at heartland and i uh i think i'm like you i didn't really i don't really know much about dan weldon uh, other than what he did here at Indy. Um, and I, that one is, uh, an HBO documentary, right? But it hasn't come out on, on HBO max yet, as far as I can tell. I'm not sure, but yeah, I, I don't think it's gotten out just yet, but I'm hoping it will soon. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm eagerly looking forward to that one. Um, so, uh, my next one is, um, uh, Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse. Um, I'm uh, a big fan of animation and this 2023 was a great year for animated films in my opinion. And, uh, this one just really exceeded all of my expectations. I loved the first film into the spider verse from 2018. And this one just really up, up the ante in almost every regard, uh, just, uh, incredible animation styles, um incredible storytelling uh great voice for performances great action um and i mean really the only thing that you can say against it is that it's kind of half of a two-part movie um but i i at least in my opinion it feels like a fully formed uh uh story and uh it it did enough for me and i i really enjoyed it i've watched it I think going on four times now and, you know, every time you see something new, um, which is just, uh, incredible experience. Yeah. Um, another film I respected, I will say that, uh, it's, it's so visually fast paced that I do feel like you have to see it several times to really, you know, appreciate it fully. Uh, I will say that that movie and, and, uh, the, it's, it's a previous one and this one, uh, are some of the first movies that I've seen that made me feel old, and then I felt like I, I feel like I need a young, younger eyes and a younger brain 
to just to grasp the movie as it's going <laughs> on because it's just so fast paced. Uh, my last one, uh, another small film that I don't think has gotten um, really much of a release yet, but I hope we'll still is Memory, another one that I, I, I encountered very, very late in my awards crunch. Uh, and this stars Jessica Chastain and Peter Sarsgaard, a very intimate two-person story about very flawed, two very flawed and damaged people who have this encounter with each other that's really honestly traumatic and, and weird and creepy. And I, as I said, when I watched this movie, I almost turned it off. It was so off-putting. And then it takes this weird turn and sort of ambles off and it becomes a relationship uh, between these two people that we don't really see coming. Um, just a lovely little film. Like I say, one of those films, it's, it's hard to watch, at least initially, but I think it's um, the, the fruits that it bears is very much worth it. Yeah, that's that's another one that I still need to see. I've heard a uh, lot of great things about Peter Sarsgaard's performance, um, and I I will check it out sooner or later. All right, and do we get all on your list, or do you have another one? Uh, I have one more. Um, do we have uh, enough time, or should we sure. stop and start? Okay. Uh, so last up is uh, a movie called The Taste of Things, which mm -hmm. uh, I think also has not come out yet. Um, just uh, I really didn't know much about it uh, going into it, uh, but I saw it at Heartland and uh, was just really impressed uh, on a storytelling level, on a craft level. Um, it's just, it, it may be like the, the sparsest, uh, film on my list in terms of narrative, but it has a lot to say about, you know, about, uh, romance and creating art and, um, just how those kinds of things are intertwined and how making something for somebody else is kind of an act of love in itself. Um, just, uh, there's several uh, sequences in that where nobody really talks and the, the plot really doesn't develop, uh, but it's still really captivating stuff. So uh, really great cinematography, um, really great performances uh, from Juliette Binoche and Benoit, I believe it's Majumel, Um And just... Um, really pleasant surprise uh from this one it was uh, a filmmaker that i'm not familiar with and um really i i just wanted to see it because uh it got some good good buzz at can and um i i'm really uh glad that i ended up seeing it um it's it's a movie that i uh i i would like to show to you know my my parents and my friend who's a, a big foodie um it's it's a movie that i i really want to see other people's reactions to yeah i like that one as well as they say a real feast for the senses it's just such a sensuous film um on multiple levels um it's you know a very uh uh, uh you know obviously fantastic film about you know food and um family and togetherness um and yeah, just uh, one of those films that I think people from all sorts of walks of life can really enjoy. Well, that's it's, great. It's a uh, uh, sorry. It's uh, seeing it at Heartland. It was really kind of unique because it was in a big uh, crowded theater, and you know, every time some 
delicious food came out and they were preparing something there was a lot of oohs and ahs and mmms and you know it, that was that was a unique experience that really uh helped uh my enjoyment of that film yeah Well, cool. Great, great list. If, if I think um, I've got it right, we only had one film that we shared on both of our lists, which was Are You There, God? But that's okay. I mean, uh, a lot of uh, breadth and diversity of film choices there. I was interested that neither one of us had Poor Things or um, uh, Killers of the Flower Moon on our lists. Um, just because those have been kind of the runaway favorites of the critics groups so far. Of course, our own critics group, the IFJA, gave uh, runaway awards to poor things. We gave it seven awards, which is the most in the history, the 15-year history of the IFJA. So it's interesting that neither one of us... I did have that on my list of the best of the rest, um, but interesting that we had that. And then Killers of the Flower Moon is is one that I am definitely... On the outside, looking in, in, in a film that I, I actively dislike, but s thus far seems to be the film to beat in the awards race. Yeah, I, you know, I really liked uh, Poor Things. I think the only negative that I'll say against it is that it went on for maybe 10 or 15, maybe 20 minutes too long. I don't think that movie needs to be two hours and 20 minutes or whatever it is. Um, other than that, yeah, it's it's really great. Um, Killers of the Flower Moon, I loved. Um, I was a big fan of the book that it's based on, so I kind of knew what was going to happen going into it kind of beat for beat and it still really impressed me um yeah that that one is on my kind of honorable mention list as well uh also neither of us had barbie on the list i noticed that yeah i had barbie on my best of the rest list it, it was a, kind of like oppenheimer for me there a film that i respected a lot uh i appreciated its its boldness its, its filmmaking vision didn't quite rise to me to let me the level of best of the year um at least not the top 10 maybe if i was if i was doing like a top 25 i think both of those films would have been on there yeah but another film i do think you, you probably need to see at least three times to really really truly grasp it and appreciate it yeah i've seen it twice and i still want to see it more yeah yeah Unfortunately, you know, I find that um, I, I don't do a lot of rewatching of films from the past year. It's just because there's always this this rush of wanting to see more, write more, create more about movies. And it's like, well, do I spend my time seeing a movie I haven't seen and writing about that or talking about that? Or do I spend that time rewatching a film that I've already seen and pretty much seeing something new always wins that argument? So I unfortunately do not do a lot of rewatching of movies, uh, at least during the current cycle. Yeah, the struggle is real. It, it um, is, it's <laughs> it's a place of privilege, but it it is still something that that I struggle with. Yeah, one that um, came in uh, under the wire, uh, well over the wire, I guess it came in. I I watched it after uh, my list was published, but I really loved uh, was Ferrari by Michael Mann. Um, I, I, I kind of heard mixed reactions to it and I was really just impressed, uh, overall, I guess I'm, I'm a big fan of Michael Mann, so you can kind of, uh, uh, take that with the grain of salt, but I was still really impressed with it overall.
he's he's probably the best director there is at juxtapositioning humans and machines slash hardware. There's yeah. always sort of this like hard technology, you know, guns, cars, boats, you know, something that that juxtaposition in, in his movies always seems to be there. Another a film I did appreciate it, great looking film. Um, of course, Adam Driver, Mishawaka's own, uh, could just continuing to grow and grow as an actor and impressing us. And uh, yeah, just someone I think we're we're keeping an eye on because I expect, uh, as I think he's leaving his 30s and going into his 40s, I, I expect to just continue to keep growing as an actor. And uh, honestly, I, 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 for him, I think I think he will win an Oscar. It's just a question of when, not if. Yeah, I I hope so. Yeah. Because he's he's got a great number of performances under his belt already, and great and, choices. Great choices as an actor, like you know, doing big movies and doing very small eclectic movies. Um, you know, like the same year that I think he did the first of his Star Wars trilogy, I think he also made this tiny little film called Patterson. Mm -hmm. this, this very spare movie about a poet who drives a bus, and like that's the whole movie, and yet it's just this beautiful little film and a wonderful performance so yeah yeah so so yeah we were talking about our, our favorite films of the year just, and we'll just end it on an adam driver appreciation <laughs> mini appreciation so well ben, thanks for joining me again i always enjoy doing these sort of things and hopefully the folks out there like hearing us yammer about the movies yeah thanks again i appreciate it always a, a good uh time to talk and uh, always like uh, yelling about my favorite films of the year. All right. Me too. Well, great. Have a great uh, new year. Yeah, you too. Thanks.